Proverbs chapter 8, Proverbs 8, I fully intended on preaching a different message today, but I'm going to hold off till next week. Um, I was going to be preaching this week on um, the fallacies of the prosperity gospel. Um, but I want to make sure two things. One, I'm preaching it while walking in the Spirit and not in the flesh. Because this week, you know, it's uh, um, three leading, four actually, actually it's five now, leading evangelicals endures a heretic, a false preacher. And I didn't want my preaching to just be ranting and raving about that, but I want to be able to really dig deep into the theology of it on why it is wrong. So it doesn't look like I'm just attacking preaching against some young, beautiful lady, so to speak, but to really dive into the Word of God and why this is heresy, why this is wrong, why it is wrong for leading evangelicals to make this endorsement, um, most likely just because they all were spiritual advisors to the president, and that's where we could get drunk on power, you know, or of our influence. That we're like, well, you know what, we want to have this influence with the president, which is a noble thing, great thing to have. Um, but we should not compromise what the Word of God teaches um, and endorse a very well-known false teacher. And so I'm going to teach, preach on that next week, though, and it goes right in with what we're preaching through the book of John. But today we'll keep it short and simple and sweet, and we'll be talking about in Proverbs. Proverbs 8 on the appeal of wisdom. Proverbs chapter 8 says... Doth not wisdom cry, and understanding put forth her voice? She standeth in the top of high places, by the way in the places of the paths. She crieth at the gates, at the entry of the city, at the coming in at the doors. Unto you, O men, I call, and my voice is to the sons of men. O ye simple, understand wisdom, and ye fools, be ye of an understanding heart. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we just thank you, Lord, for your word and for you calling us to wisdom and for wisdom to be calling us to ourselves. And we just pray, Lord, that you would bless your word as it is indeed blessed. In Jesus' name. Amen. All right, children, got a question for you, okay? I need your feedback. Don't make it stay in another deep, dark silence, okay? If you could ask God for any one thing, what would you ask for? He wants to go first. Michael. What's that? What about fishing? To go fishing? All right, we're going fishing today, amen? So I think God's going to answer that prayer. You want to go, even if it just pours down raining, like, like you're going to be so cold and wet? All right, well, we got a father and son's fishing trip activity today. Um, shortly after church, go get lunch, and then we'll go out and go fishing. 
Okay, Azariah. Okay, for it do always snow. Okay, he would regret that one eventually. Um, but okay, there's how kids think. <laughs> Anybody else? Ephraim, what would you ask God for? Okay, you, you can't really ask for the best daddy because you already have that, huh? No, he's kidding. <laughs> Titus? A, a bag of candy? So if that was your only prayer request, the one prayer request you asked, that would be the one thing you'd ask. Okay, what would it be? A whole bunch of bags of candy. Oh, a whole bunch of bags of candy. All right, you say, okay, not one bag of candy, a whole bunch of bags of candy. Okay, anybody else? Shelby, you want to share? All right, she keeps that in the closet, keeps secret with the Lord. How about you, Hayden? Oh, for a lollipop, that's what you'd ask for, huh? <laughs> Azariah? You were raising your hand again. You forget? All right, so see, there's a lot of things, you know, different things. You know, when we are a child, we think it's a child. You know, we think about things that um, are fun, things that we enjoy. Well, you know, go ahead and turn your Bible, um, kids. So if you have your Bible and adults, hopefully you got your Bible, amen. Um, 1 Kings chapter 3. When go there, we're going to look at... I don't know what age he is at this time. He considers himself a child, but he could be referring to himself as a child as being a young man. Um, and so I don't know the age, unless I just didn't read it, and it says it right here in the passage. <laughs> but um, in 1 Kings chapter 4, chapter 3, verse 4, it says, And the king went to Gibeon to sacrifice there, for that was the great high place. A thousand burnt offerings did Solomon offer upon that altar. And Gibeon, the Lord, appeared to Solomon in a dream by night. And God said, Ask what I shall give thee. And so here God is telling Solomon, Ask what I shall give thee. He's given an open invitation to prayer. Okay? Now, this isn't going to be like we talk about next week, the health, wealth, prosperity gospel of God is just my magic genie, and I rub the lamp, and then boom, God answers it. But here God does pretty much what we say, okay? Ask. And you know what Jesus tells us elsewhere, that you know, often we receive not because we ask not. And so here we see, he, he, tells, he gives Solomon an open invitation to ask for something. And Solomon said, Thou hast showed unto thy servant David my father great mercy, according as he walked before thee in truth, and in righteousness, and in uprightness of heart with thee. And thou hast kept for him this great kindness, that thou hast given him a son to sit on his throne as it is this day. And now, O Lord my God, thou hast made thy servant king instead of David my father, and I am but a little child. I know not how to go out or come in. Okay, here we see that Solomon is anointed, he's called to be king after David. And Solomon says, you know, I don't know how to lead people. I don't know, I don't know what to do. I don't know how we judge and discern between people. But he goes, And thy servant is in the midst of thy people, which thou hast chosen, 
a great people. So not only am I being appointed king of just, say, this isn't just to be a little um, king of a small town of Napa Vine or mayor, whatever you want to call it, but this is a great multitude of people. This is an awesome, great responsibility. And he says, that cannot be numbered nor counted for multitude. So if you were a little king, kids, if you were called to be king, do you think your prayer would be, Lord, give me back the candy? Maybe. Or even about fishing. You know, all fun things. You know, we might pray that still, but let's see what Solomon prays for. He says in verse 9, Give therefore thy servant an understanding heart to judge thy people, that I may discern between good and bad. For who is able to judge this, thy so great a people? And the speech pleased the Lord that Solomon had asked this thing. And God said unto him, Because thou hast asked this thing, and hast not asked for thyself long life. Okay, he goes, you know what, a lot of times, you know what, we think, God, you know what, give me a long life on earth. But here, you know what, Solomon, he didn't even ask for that. And God notices. Neither has asked riches for thyself. Someone didn't pray, please make me a millionaire. He did not pray, give me all the gold, give me all the silver, make me rich. It's not what Solomon prayed for. He goes, Nor has asked the life of thine enemies, but has asked for thyself understanding to discern judgment. Behold, I have done according to thy words. Lo, I have given thee a wise and an understanding heart, so that there was none like thee before thee, neither after thee shall any arise like unto thee. And so God grants this request to be able to discern, to, for judgment, for um, wisdom. And God gives them that. He gives them an understanding heart, the ability to discern um, matters. And then he says, And I have also given thee that which thou hast not asked, both riches and honor, so that there shall not be any among the kings like unto thee all thy days. And so he goes, You know what? You didn't ask for this, but I'm going to bless you with wealth. Now, this does not mean that if you pray and go, Lord, please give me understanding, heart, wisdom, that God's going to answer you the same way he a- answered Solomon. Okay, it doesn't mean he's going to go, okay, you asked for wisdom, here's a bunch of wealth. Okay, because then that, you know, that would be in our heart. That would be in our motive. And that's, again, you know, I'm not even preaching on a gospel, prosperity gospel, but don't take a verse like this. To say this means that God wants everybody to be rich, everyone to be wealthy, that he doesn't want any Christians to have disease or have cancer or anything like that. And they end up twisting the gospel. I'm going to try not to preach on that today, though. Wait till next week, amen? But we see that God saw Solomon's heart was pure and that he asked for an understanding heart. 
And then he says also, and if thou wilt walk in my ways to keep my statutes and my commandments, as thy father David did walk, then I will lengthen thy days. And so, you know, that's kind of like kind of related to the commandment with promise. You know, it related to parents. Obey your parents. Um, and, and the Bible says he'll give us a long life. You know, if we follow God, that he'll give us a long life. And now God can choose otherwise to take us home and be with him. But then he's given us eternal life um, to um, be with the Lord. But we see that Solomon basically asks for wisdom in requesting the ability to discern between what's good and what's evil. What's wholesome, what's bad. And how to judge between people. One of the very first challenges that Solomon deals with is a mother coming out, coming, that just lost her child. That her child died. And she said, there was this other woman. There, 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 there was this other woman that she had a child. Okay, now, the woman that came to the king didn't say, oh, my child died. She said, this other woman that had a child at the same time while I was sleeping came and stole my child that was alive and gave me her dead child. And there was no one else in the room. There were no other witnesses. Man, if you were a king, how do you answer this? How do you judge between who's telling the truth and who's not? Because the other woman was like, no, this is my child. Not the other one. So kids, what would you do as king? Any of you think, what do you do? Don't give me the answer the Bible says, okay? <laughs> Just what would you think you would do? Okay. All right, yeah, that, that's very good. That's very good. And, uh, and so the king could try to do that. But sometimes, you know what, some babies, they all look alike. They're all ugly. I'm just kidding, mom. Said, okay, just calm down. Just chill out. <laughs> and the men are going, yep, that's the truth. I'm just kidding. <laughs> okay, 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 that would be a good thing to consider. But this could be difficult because could, it could be difficult to say what it is. And so what Solomon says, it sounds brutal. But it was wise. He says, all right, grab me a sword. You know, we don't know whose baby it is, so we are going to cut the baby in half with the sword. We'll give half of the baby to this mom and half of the baby to this one. And then what is it? It's two dead babies, isn't it? Because the other baby's dead and now this baby's dead and given that half. And you know what one of the moms said? She said, no, no, please don't. Thank you, please don't. She goes, she can have the baby. She can have the child. Even though it's her baby. She's like, let her have the child. And you know what the other mom said? 
She said, no, split it in half, so it's neither mine nor thine. She didn't really want the other baby because she knew it wasn't hers. But she was so hurt that she lost her baby that she didn't, she didn't think it was fair that the other mom would still have a baby. And then Solomon said, okay, put the sword away. He knew that the woman that was willing to give up her baby so the baby could stay alive, that she was the mom. The one that was like, you know what, let's let no one have the baby. Okay, that's a hard heart. Now, who would have thought of that? But God, Solomon asked God for an understanding heart to be able to judge the people. And God gave him that wisdom. And you know, wisdom tries to get our attention. Wisdom tries to call out for us. As we read, wisdom, wisdom is not shy, so to speak. She gets out into public places and cries out. It's in verse 1 of chapter 8. Doth not wisdom cry and understanding put forth her voice? She standeth in the top of high places, by the way in the places of the paths. She crieth at the gates, at the entry of the city, at the coming in at the doors. Unto you, O men, I call, and my voice is to the sons of man. O ye simple, understand wisdom, and ye fools, be of an understanding heart. And so God does not hide wisdom, so to speak, somewhere where it's like very hard to find. Wisdom is in the open. It's personified as a woman here, just to give a picture. And he says, she's crying out loud for you to come. God, in it, through the, the Apostle James, wrote, If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God. They give it to all men liberally. That you know what? God is not going to restrict wisdom only to Solomon. But he offers wisdom to all of us. But we must ask of it. And so wisdom cries aloud. You know, we live right next to the railroad tracks. And, you know, when we first move here, man, first few months, nighttime, man, psh, hear that train coming by, waking you up. And oh man, it was funny. Well, it wasn't really funny, but it was funny. Uh, we had a guest speaker and they chose to park their RV right out here. Man, that train go, went by, and it was like extra loud. <laughs> and then, you know, all the alarms beeping, and wake them up, and so then they moved to go, kind of go by us. So they're a little bit further away, and the fellowship hall kind of blocks part of the noise. But that noise, we, we would hear all the time. It would wake us up, or um, we would always be, the kids would always be like, Oh, let's go see the train! In the daytime, they want to see it every time it goes by. But you know what? After a while, I don't really hear it. You know, usually when I'm preaching, I don't hear the train going by. And so I may be passionate, be in a point, and you're like thinking, Pastor, could you please just pause? Could you let the train pass so I can know what you're saying? I don't hear it. And I'm not hard of hearing. But I got in so accustomed to hearing the train go by. It just seems natural. It just seems like it does not happen. 
That is just part of the noise of being in this community. And that's what can happen with wisdom. You know, we've heard her voice so much that we don't take attention to take heed. That we're not giving ear to it. We're so used to hearing it that we don't really notice the wisdom that wisdom is trying to speak to us. Also, there ends up being other voices that cry out for us. Okay, besides wisdom, kids, what are some other things that calls out for our attention? Solomon? Huh? Okay, Satan. Okay, okay, the, the devil. Okay, he calls for us. He whispers in our ear. He tries to get our attention. It's a distraction. It's trying to pull us away from what God would have us to be wise. But um, there's big mouths out there, so to speak, that will twist the truth um, and the morality of wisdom. You know, one of them being the entertainment industry. You know, it's lineup of music, TV shows, movies, newspaper columns. Um, often will deceive us and promote ungodly lifestyles. But, and they'll promote it like, this is the norm. Okay, they want to promote transgenderism. Like, this is normal. This is natural. Um, um, let live and live, um, like, so to speak. And they'll say, you know what? They're trying to normalize that which is wrong, which is sinful, which is against common sense. That they're saying, well, I, I lost count, but last I heard there were 93 genders they were talking about. And they're always adding to it. There's no wisdom in that. It's just kind of odd, though, that the, uh, the climate change alarmness, the ones that say it's science, it's science, that they'll say you're out of your mind to say there's two genders. But what comes out of their voice is not the voice of wisdom. It's the voice of a society that has lost its moral compass and its pleasure crazy. They're all about what feels good, what, um, what it feels nice, and everything. The other big mouth, so to speak, that's crying out for us is the doctrine of political correctness. That we're trying, being taught to be politically correct. That we've been told, I knew, me even growing up, the two things you don't talk about is politics and religion. Whereas I've seen it otherwise eloquently said, that's the problem we're in. We haven't taught how to civilly discuss religion differences and political differences. Without going insane, without getting mad and getting angry. You know what, we should be willing and able to talk about things. You know what, if someone wants to talk about, okay, we have a Bible doctrine discussion, and say it's a Pentecostal oneness, or say it's a prosperity gospel preacher, and they're wanting to um, come show me about why they believe their way is correct. Okay, I'm not going to get all angry and get mad and get upset, like I can't believe you believe that, and blah, blah. You know, we could have a Bible discussion about it, okay? And I could believe they're wrong, and they could believe I'm wrong, and let's not hate each other. Now, I do hate that theology, okay? Don't get me wrong. That theology damns many people, takes advantage of many people. 
And so that's the fruit of it. That's not just having a discussion with somebody. But the doctrine of political correctness, it's the doctrine that shuts down the voice of what is right and noble and true in favor of not offending anybody. So if we don't want to offend anybody, let's not talk about it. Political correctness is not the voice of wisdom. Our society is losing its foundation. It's, it's making s- sinful things normal. We are getting told that it's right, right, the right of the mother to kill her child. We are told that it's okay to live together in immorality. The people we're not married to as long as you love them. The majority of people will say it's okay to lie if you need to, to get an advantage. You talk about almost every ungodly philosophy and ism in the public school. But Christ is to look down upon. And we're, 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 we're trying to told that we're not allowed to talk about Christ in the public school, which isn't the case. You know, even the Supreme Court has stood for your right in different places. Some ways they've stood against your rights. Other places they stood for your rights. But either way, the society wants us to think that we could talk about Islam. We could talk about Hinduism. It's, called, it's considered being culturally sensitive. But talk about Christianity, no way. You know, that's offensive. Okay, you look at okay, the Democrat candidate, Beto, um, whatever his last name was. Yeah. <laughs> okay. And, and this is a political message, but I'm not going to be politically correct either. But he said that, you know what, someone asked a question. Okay, if a church does not support homosexual marriage, would you stand for taking away their tax exempt status? He said, absolutely. He's saying, you know, if they don't believe what we believe, that's what it is. They're trying to say, if we in the government, and they don't believe what we believe, then we're going to take away any benefits. We're going to take away any rights. We're going to take anything away because of it. And so they're trying to say in one aspect that the church, they're trying to be a theocracy, that the church is trying to run the government. Well, as you know, it's independent Baptist. No, we don't. Now, as a Christian, can someone be involved in politics? Absolutely. But we do believe in separation of church and state in the biblical sense that, okay, you know what? The state is not to interfere with the church. Now, that doesn't mean that the church does not need to obey the laws of the land. You know what? When Alan takes the teens on a youth event, okay, he's not going to tell the officer when he's going 90 miles per hour, hey, separation of church and state, bud. (laughs) <laughs> Leave us alone. Okay, no, okay, we're still to follow those things, okay? But the state has no right to interfere with us as a church on what we believe in. And it's a church, okay? We believe in separation of church and state in the sense of it's a church. We're not going to try and mandate a government to have their taxes, to have their tithes, or so to speak, to support the church, no, to come to be a part of a church, a local church, is voluntarily. It's not to be mandated. And so a church is not to be the ruling government like the Church of England would have been. 
where they're ruling the government. We don't believe the church rules the government. That does not mean, again, that Christians cannot be in power. Okay? Okay? So there is no separation of church and state in the sense of saying that we need to take God out of everything. That we need to take God out of the public square. That we need to not mention Christ when we're in public. That's not what it means by separation of church and state. But due to political correctness, the many churches have lost their moral voice. They have lost um, standing on a pillar, or being a pillar, being a lighthouse. And on that note, okay, notice with Beto, okay, that he did not say, yes, we are going to go take the tax exempt status away from the mosque. They're not going to say anything about Islam. They attack Christianity. Even though Islam, in theory, in their doctrine, would have hold the same position as far as homosexuality, even though in the Middle East they actually live in hypocrisy in that matter. But how does wisdom call us today? Wisdom calls us through people. You know, God will put people in our lives who know right from wrong. Or they know the best from the good. The major voice of wisdom in Proverbs is often godly parents. You know, over and over it talks about children following your wisdom of your father, of your mother. But it could be any of those in leadership. It could be those not in leadership. It could be someone that maybe you as a leader have influence over, but they could speak and give you wisdom that would be beneficial to you. And so wisdom sometimes cries out through other people, given counsel, given advice. Wisdom calls through the conscience. The conscience operates at every gate doorway of our lives. It speaks to us about entering or avoiding. Wisdom will say, it's okay, proceed. Or don't do that, it's the wrong gate. Okay, our conscience will help us unless we've allowed our conscience to become seared um, where we no longer could discern right from wrong. And wisdom also calls for conscience not only through our own conscience, but through considering the conscience of others. 1 Corinthians 10.27 says, If any, man, any of them that believe not bid you to a feast, and ye be disposed to go, whatsoever is set before you, eat asking no question for conscience sake. But if any man say unto you, This is offered and sacrificed unto the Lord's in the fullness of or unto idols, excuse me, unto idols, eat not for his sake that showed it, and for conscience' sake, for the earth is the Lord's, and the fullness thereof. Conscious, I say, not thine own, but of the other. For why is my liberty checks of another man's conscience? Okay, so, so here he talks about how, um, okay, food that was offered to idols. Okay, say you're in India, and there's food that was just offered to idols, and then it's food that's served in the marketplace after that's being done. Okay, the Apostle Paul is here saying, you know, you read on in the chapter, 
It's meat. That's all it is, is food. If you eat meat, and as Jesus said, it's not what enters a man to defile a man, but it's what comes out of a man. Okay, what we're speaking about what he says, what he talks about. That's what could defile a man. But that the meat itself does not defile. Even if it was offered to idols. Okay, if someone just say, here's meat. Okay, don't ask for where it came from, how it got here, what was its purpose. You just eat it. But if someone says, hey, here is food offered for idols. Eat in honor to the idol. Then Paul is saying, then don't eat. Because now it is being spoken of in the conscience of saying, this is for idols. Or to you, you know the idol is a dumb thing. It can't, it can't speak, it can't see, it, can, it can't hear. But he says, for the conscience of another. And you know, the Bible talks about others, like, okay, if someone eats not meat, and, and it's a the believer, it's a Christian, and to not be a stumbling block to them. That it's not your conscience that's saying it's wrong. But it's the conscience of another, and that you don't want to offend. You don't want to be a stumbling block to somebody. And so wisdom will call through our conscience and often through the conscience of others as well. You know, there are like some things, you know, some activities. Okay, whereas, okay, you know what, I don't believe they're biblically wrong, okay? I'm not even thinking of an example right now, but um, say I don't think it's something that's necessarily wrong. But maybe we don't do is a church activity just because we don't want to be a stumbling block to someone else's conscience. Okay, okay, here's an example. Okay, say there's a movie, okay? Okay, a movie that I felt that it was fine, morally clean, that it, it was good, it was wholesome, but say it was a PG-13 movie, and maybe there was something in it, maybe it was violence or whatever, and now the main message be like, okay, it's fine. But I don't want to be a stumbling block to another parent that the other parent says, hey, you know what, we don't watch PG-13 movies. Okay, now that particular PG-13 movie, maybe there's nothing wrong with it. Okay, scripturally. But just to not want to override the authority of other parents and not to be a stumbling block, not to try a cause to be like, well, pastor's family does this. Okay, trying to avoid um, that kind of thing. Okay, now wisdom calls through the scriptures. The Bible will always guide our steps, you know, if we're reading it. You know, many times we have our map out, but we don't take heed to it. We don't read it. The Bible says, or, or um, in, in Psalm 119, 105, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet, and a light unto my path. It will always tell us what is right, or, excuse me, I started to read on my own notes. Okay, the Bible says, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Okay, the word is the lamp. You know, it's not, it doesn't even call it a flashlight. Okay, it doesn't say, okay, it's going to show you all the way down the hall. It's a lamp. And many times you just know step by step if you're in the dark carrying a lamp. And so we need to keep the word of God close to us to be our guide, to lead our way. And that's where, when the Bible is countercultural, you know what? Following the Bible. 
God's word will not fail us. Okay, you know, in science, okay, when the Bible talks about the circle, the sphere of the earth, you know, if Christians just kept on believing that, you know what, when science thought it was a flat, you know what, just follow the word of God, it won't lead us astray. We don't have to worry about, you know, if we believe this and this about the Bible, or we believe in this location, like sometimes people will say, well, there's no archaeological discovery that this city was ever real. Well, you know, cities could be totally wiped out, and you're not going to find any evidence. But you could trust the Word of God. And there's nothing they're going to find that's going to discredit the Bible's history. And then what they sometimes find, through more digging, they find evidence of that city or like the house of David. They used to say David was a fictional character. And now the evidence is abundant that David was a literal king of Israel. So you could trust the word of God. Take heed to scriptures and you don't have to worry about modern day science changing what the Bible teaches. They may try to twist it, okay, like with evolution. Okay, to try to push evolution about how this comes from this and this from that. Even though they've never once observed it. And science is supposed to be things you can observe. But God said we're created from Adam and Eve and we, that to dust will return. And you know what? That's what happens. People return to the dust. The word is a lamp to our feet. It will always tell us the path of character, integrity, and godly behavior. And wisdom calls through the Spirit of God. But we must be walking in the Spirit. If we're not walking in the Spirit, then we're going to fulfill the lusts of our flesh. You can read in Galatians 5, 16 to 18 there. Wisdom always speaks the truth. Go ahead and go in verse 6. It says, Here, for I will speak of excellent things, and the opening of my lips shall be right things. For my mouth shall speak truth, and wickedness is an abomination to my lips. All the words of my mouth are in righteousness. There is nothing forward or perverse in them. They are all plain to him that understandeth, and right to them that find knowledge. Receive my instruction, and not silver, and knowledge rather than choice gold. For wisdom is better than rubies, and all the things that may be desired are not to be compared to it. Wisdom, better than silver, better than gold, better than rubies. Wisdom will always speak the truth. It will lift what is right. It will condemn what is wrong. We the wisdom of man, you know, we live in the age of enlightenment, so to speak, and we think we know the answer to the mysteries of the universe and to the best way to live life. And yet God says the foolishness of, man, of God, the foolishness of God, so to speak, is wiser than the wisdom of man. We have the acceptability of sin. You know, the, 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 in the Bible, the definition of perversion is to turn away from that which is natural. And we ask them, what is natural? What is normal? God establishes that. But we live in a day where we want to accept sin as being normal. Yes, it's normal that we have the sinful nature. 
but it does not make the sin acceptable. And then sometimes man will try to harmonize um, opposing beliefs or value systems, which we can't do. You know, we do not take Christianity to India and merge it with Hinduism. Okay, we don't just say, add Jesus to one of your gods. No, there needs to be repentance of forsaking of the idols and turning to Jesus Christ. We don't harmonize. Wisdom wants to give us blessings. In verse 32, it says, Now therefore hearken unto me, O ye children, for blessed are they that keep my ways. Hear instruction. Okay, children, listen up. Okay, right here in Proverbs, okay? Okay, you want to get wisdom like Solomon had? I do, okay? That would be amazing, okay? Okay? My son thinks he's all wise now. He's thinking. <laughs> okay? But the Bible says, hear instruction. You know what? As children, sometimes we just want to forsake instruction. We think we know it better. You know, the Bible says, hear instruction and be wise and refuse it not. Blessed is the man that hear of me, watching daily at my gaze, waiting at the posts of my doors. For whoso findeth me, findeth life, and shall obtain favor of the Lord. But he that sinneth against me, wrong of his own soul, all they that hate me, love death. You know what? Those that forsake wisdom, they often find death. No, I just heard a testimony of a woman this last week. Son, great potential. Had a wonderful life laid out in front of him. And yet he started to hang around the wrong friends. Friends that would bring him down. Friends that would talk him into doing wrong things. Friends that talk him into starting to do drugs. And last week, he died due to the drugs. 18 years old. He did not hear the instruction of his parents, the instruction of his pastors. He listened to the instruction of his friends that said, oh, this is cool. This is good for you. This makes you live a high life. People just don't want you to have fun. And then he died for it. He refused wisdom. And followed foolishness. And he died. In the New Testament, we see the embodiment of wisdom is found in Jesus. 1 Corinthians 1.24, he's called the wisdom of God. Everything said about wisdom in Proverbs is fulfilled in Christ. To come into a personal relationship with Jesus is to find life. To follow His teachings is to find wisdom. For those who follow Jesus already, will you be among those who will continue to listen and follow wisdom every day? Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we just... Ask you, Lord, that you would give us wisdom. We ask that you would give us wisdom and judgment of what's right, of what's wrong. 
give us wisdom in ministering to one another as a body, edifying each other. Help the children of our church to make wise decisions. Help the adults to make right decisions and to be an example to their children, their grandchildren, and to others around them. Lord, we bless you, we worship you, we want to honor you. Help us to do it from the heart and not with the lips only. In Jesus' name, amen. So I want to share a prayer request and a number. Alan could come give any other announcements. Um, pray for Brother Albert. Um, Brother Albert um, is been moved. Um, his family came and got him. Um, been just kind of having some mental health issues with Alzheimer's or dementia. And um, family said it's all right to share that. And um, But they, they came and got him. And um, he's in Atlanta, Georgia right now. He'll either be staying there or in California. And I talked with the family Monday. It's very good for him. Um, there were people trying to take advantage of Albert in different ways. And so the family was able to come and get him um, for his own safety and his own good. But be in prayer for him. Um, he's going to begin a new phone number, so you um, won't be able to call, um, call him right now. Um, but once he gets a new phone number, we could share it and make you come give him a call and just be a, be a, give him a word of encouragement. I know it's going to be a hard adjustment for him um, um, being away from his home here and then um, being with family there. But um, pray for Albert, and so we won't be seeing him here anymore. But um, it's very good that his family was able to come get him. Yeah, yeah, pray for Kim. Um, she's visited here for a few months in the past, year, about four or five years ago, and she's in Longview now, and so um, my wife's going to go by and go see her today, and um, but, um, pray for her, pray that it's not too serious and that she'll be able to be fully functional. Anybody else have her request? Stacy. What's his name? Okay. All right. Anybody else? Pray for Quinn and Mel. They're going to go on a trip, family trip, or husband and wife trip. Yeah, so pray for them. Anybody else? Pray we catch some fish, okay? Yeah, like Michael says, pray for some fish. Okay, ask for wisdom and maybe ask wisdom for how to cast that rod, huh? <laughs> Any other prayer requests? All right, Brother Allen, go ahead and come give the announcements and then at the conclusion, lead us in prayer for Ryan, Kim, and Albert. All right, so a few announcements.